0: some Sadducees those who argue that there's no resurrection approach Jesus and they put this question to him Master, Moses proclaimed for us if a man's married brother dies childless the man must marry the widow to raise up children for his brother well then There were seven brothers. The first, having married, died childless. The second, and then the third, both married the widow, and the same with all seven. They all died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman herself died. Now, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since she had been married to all seven? Jesus replied, the children of this world take wives and husbands. But those who are judged worthy of a place in the other world and in the resurrection from the dead do not marry because they can no longer die for they are the same as the angels and being children of the resurrection, they are children of God. And Moses himself implies that the dead rise again in the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob now he is the God not of the dead but of the living for to him everyone is alive for the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us What happens after we die? Well, no one knows. The Bible's not much help. There's nothing definitive. There's all kinds of views in the Bible. So much so that there was groups of people with different views at the time of Jesus. One was a group called the Sadducees and amongst other things. And these groups were kind of quasi-political parties, quasi-denominations as we would understand them. They kind of mixed those things together. The Sadducees were a group that focused only on the Pentateuch, the, what they call the Torah, the first five books of what we call the Hebrew Scriptures or the Old Testament. And there's nothing in there, as far as they can see, that says anything about there being a resurrection or a life beyond death or anything of the sort, so there isn't one. The Pharisees, they read more than that. This is another group, and they're the group that Jesus interacts with a lot in the Gospels. They have a view that you can read more than just those five books. You can read the writings, uh, called the writings, and that's groups like, books like the Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and the prophets. And so if you read those books and take those as authoritative, there's a fair bit of stuff in there that could be construed as talking about a life after death. So the dispute goes on, and everybody wants to figure out whether Jesus is in their camp or not. Does he vote Labour or does he vote Liberal? Is he a Catholic or is he an Anglican or one of our mob? So what does it Jesus say about it? Well, at one level, he seems to, as- to take the view that the Sadducees are wrong and the Pharisees are right. He seems to understand that there is a there after death he, he he seems to make that assumption but for him the there is not a there it's a then it's an age it's not a place but an experience it's not a thing but an experience it's a then not a there whatever that might mean and he seems to also understand and make the assumption that then things will be different. And one of the things that will be different is there will be no need for anybody to get married. Now, in our culture, who cares? Some of us get married, some of us don't. Some of us live in long-term relationships and never get married. Some of us live single and never get married. It's not an issue for us that we would wonder why would that be so prevalent and why would Jesus be interested in assuming that there wasn't anything like marriage after death. It's because marriage, in the context of his day, was a pretty good attempt at immortality. It was an attempt to keep living beyond being dead, through your children and your name. All through history, the idea of a person's name. Being carried on. It's all the way in the scriptures, it's in um, most of the ancient writings, and you read about it um, the, uh, all through our history. Somebody's name is a really important thing, and if that can be carried on, it's a kind of a sense, sort of immortality. And marriage was always a contract between men and men men from one part of a clan and another part of a clan, and the women were the bind to make that contract work. They were transferred from the ownership of one part of the clan and into the ownership of another part of the clan that made the clan grow, continue to go together as one unit. You never married outside of your clan group. That was insane. Because it's all about not love. It's all about... It doesn't mean you couldn't have love, but that's not its primary purpose. Its primary purpose was to procreate within the clan to keep the name going. It was an attempt at immortality. But Jesus said that won't be needed anymore so nobody will do it because women, part of the value of marriage for women and there were some things of course was protection in a lawless world you needed protection and the protection of the clan was the best thing well that won't be needed anymore because the then, whatever then is like it will be safe Jesus seems to be assuming And then there won't be any need for marriage because there won't be clans trying to protect their their own group because we'll all be one clan. And this is one of the heretical messages of Jesus. He seemed to not care who was in whose clan. He seemed to not care at all about the rules and the way things were. He actually talked to anyone and everyone and invited everyone. Was it last week or some weeks ago we talked about the story of Zacchaeus? Jesus even invited a hated tax collector to be part of the group. He just didn't care. There won't be clans, so we don't need marriage. And women won't be owned, because there'll be nobody owned, because everybody will free. I have come to give sight to the blind and freedom to the prisoners. That's the story Jesus tells right at the beginning of the Gospel that we're reading. The point of marriage was the an attempted at immortality. And the reason that you don't need to be married is because Jesus seems to understand in this story that we are already, no thanks to anything we've done, but just we are already intimately and forever connected with God. Because He says this. It's really confusing, and we can't get the whole of it because the way it's written and the fact that It was written a long time ago in a different culture and we can't talk to anyone about it. We're on our own. But Jesus says, because they can no longer die, for they are the same as angels, and being children of the resurrection, they're children of God. So in the most intimate way, the whole thing, now and whatever the then is like, is an intimate connection with God, so intimate that Jesus uses the term children deeply connected as we are with our parents and if we have children with our children whether we like it or not whether they're alive or dead we are deeply connected have been always will be we're already in the experience of an undying connection with who God is. And Jesus talked all the time about what we've translated in all kinds of different ways. Mostly we translate it as the kingdom of God or in the Gospel of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven, the world of God or the universe, the way God sees it. There's lots of different ways of thinking about it. And Jesus always talked about it in two ways all the time together, that it is an experience of the world that is already present. The kingdom of God is among you, and it's not yet. It's not yet completely fulfilled. He understood it as present in healing and liberation, which is what he was doing everywhere he went. He understood it as coming in, that somehow there would be this cataclysmic moment, either for individuals or for the entire creation, when everything would, as one of the great songs of the 1990s said, I want to be there when it all makes sense. That there'll be a moment when it all comes together and all makes sense. And then he said, now God is not God of the dead, but of the living, for to God, everyone is alive. God is not a God of things, according to what Jesus is saying. God doesn't seem interested in things at all. God is interested in relationship. God is not a God of the earth or the sky or the rocks. That's not what Jesus says. God is a God of the living, of people, of relationships. When Jesus talks about this then, whatever this then is like beyond life, the way Jesus understands it is that it's about people being in relationship with God. And he says, quoting Moses, which is pretty clever because the Sadducees were dead keen on Moses, so when Jesus quoted Moses, he said, God is the God of Abraham, a person. Isaac, a person. Jacob, a person. God is about relationships. And it turns out, the more we discover about the world, the more it turns out that the world seems to be not about things but about relationships my incredibly poor understanding of the quantum, quantum physics and the smallness of the... is that, that everything is actually about the relationships between bits of the world, not so much the bits themselves, but everything is determined by how small... the smallest parts of the universe relate to each other and interact with each other. James Jeans, the early 20th century physicist always said the world is now, and and this was long before some of the newer developments of the last 30 years, that the world now is beginning to look less like a great machine, which was an early rationalist understanding of what we were living in and part of, but it's now looking more like a great thought. It's now looking more like a great thought. It's about the relationship. And when we get stories of Jesus getting resurrected later in this Gospel and in the others the first thing this Jesus does is start relating to the people he loves. In one of the Gospels he first talks to Mary then he appears to the disciples. It's all about the people. When I mean, you think of all the things if you believe this is true that Jesus in some form appeared to people think of all the things he should have done. Sort out the government. He could have done a thousand things. But what he does is he relates to individuals, people who he knows, people who he's, a, who, who he's with. It's all through it. I know Tony has read a lot about near-death experiences, and some of you have, may have done the same. And And people will say, well, Whatever is happening to people at that moment when they, they physically, their bodies don't seem to be functioning and yet their minds are still operating as, well, it's all, something is just happening in their minds. Well, of course, everything happens in our minds. That's, that's how we live. It's all in our minds. But these stories come out over and over again of people having a sense of being in touch with people they know and love. So, whatever's happening in there, and in one sense it doesn't really matter at this moment, but whatever's happening there, it's again the essential thing is the relating between people. And over and over you read in these stories of people saying they hear that they are loved, that they are known. And you can only be truly known in a relationship. I know the name of my prime minister, but we are not in a relationship. We don't know each other. I might have all kinds of opinions about him. And in fact, I do. If you're interested, give me a glass of wine. I'll give you a few of them. Two glasses, and you just don't want to know. But but we're not in relationship in that sense. This is about something deep. That whatever then is, and I'm not claiming that I know anything, and I'm not even sure Jesus is that clear because this is quite opaque. But whatever the then is, it's an experience that is both present now and not yet completely understandable or fully formed. It's deeply, intimately connected in relationship, which is the best possible world we want to be in, isn't it? Don't we want to be in the world where we're loved and cared for and honored and respected, and we're able to offer the same to other people? Don't we want that like now? I don't care whether it's before or after, before or after death. I want it now. That's the world I want to be in. That's the world I want for the people I see every day who are struggling. And it's a place of safety and welcome, or an experience of safety. Whatever it is, it's that. Let me just finish with a story. Some years ago, I was living in Alice Springs, and my partner, Jana, was the minister of the Uniting Church in town, and we were asked to do a funeral for a significant uh, Indigenous leader, who we didn't know, um, but who had been significant in the area, and ours was the biggest building with a huge lawn out the front, so we knew that we could accommodate, all the people who would come, and they came. They filled up the church, filled up the lawn outside of uh, of the memorial church, the the John Flynn Memorial Church, uh, and they were everywhere. We had PA systems all over the place. And at one level, it was a kind of traditional fella funeral. You know, people got up front and spoke, and and there was a eulogy, and and, and there was a little order of service telling us what was happening, and on the back, where you put thanks, and you might list the names of children of the person. On the back and another sheet inside were listed all of the people that this man was related to. I didn't count them all. There were heaps and heaps. And the person who gave the eulogy spoke for a long time. It was a long and messy funeral, as indigenous funerals I've been to many before and since can be. You never know what's going on, and it's fantastic. She spoke for quite a long time. And in that story, I I heard only one small thing about what this man had done in his life. And it was an aside where he happened to be a a jackaroo for a while in in outback Queensland. I didn't know anything else about his career, what he'd done. But what I did learn about was all his connections, all the people he relied on and that relied on him, all the people with whom he had lived and been a part of. And many of them were listed on the back of this order of service. That was what was important. Nobody knows whether he could have been a nuclear physicist, he could have been a garbage collector, I don't know. And not only did we not know, nobody seemed to care. That wasn't the important thing to tell us. The important thing to tell us was about the relationships. And I've often wondered whether whatever happens when this is all done and each of us goes somewhere into some other thing, I wonder whether it's a bit like that. It's all about relating, I wonder.